Blog Talk Radio. Johnson joining me tonight is Aguna Nigerian, my Republican Keith, the Constitutional Conservative, David from Bird's Eye Government Consulting, Stephen, and my cousin Todd. Tonight, Dennis Hastert, longest serving Republican uh, Speaker of the House, in deep trouble, indicted today. The NBA playoffs, what a game! Can LeBron do it alone? He doesn't have Miami. Doesn't have Dwayne Wade. President Obama and the G7. The French Open. Serena did it again. We'll hear from Cousin Todd. And more. Also, American Pharaoh. I didn't talk about American Pharaoh. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, Let's hear a little bit about that race. Thoroughbred racing finally has a horse worthy of a crown. American Pharaoh raced into history at the Belmont Stakes on Saturday evening to become the first triple crown winner since Affirmed pulled off the feet in 1978. They're off in the Belmont Stakes. Not a great start for American Pharaoh, but he will be sent to the lead by Victor Espinosa, so he waits no longer right to the front for American Pharaoh in the race to the first turn, but he did not come out of the gate all that well. Frosted is away running in second position. Materiality is third to the outside. He's sixth, and he's four and a half lengths off of American Pharaoh. From Mento and Taylor Berber at the back of the pack. So, American Pharaoh is halfway home in the Belmont. Three quarters went in one thirteen and two fifth seconds. And he begins his run into the far turn. Three quarters of the length ahead. As they come into the final furlong, Frosted is second with one eighth of a mile to go. American Pharaoh's got a two length lead. Frosted is all out at the 16th pole. And here it is. The 37 year wait is over. American Pharaoh is finally the one. American Pharaoh has won the triple crown. American Pharaoh won the triple count. I heard my father like, you see how fast that horse ran? Did anybody see that race? Was that incredible or what? I did see that race, and I tell you what, I'm very mad about it because if Taylor Bird had showed up, I would have won the Superfecta. Uh, instead, <laughs> Taylor Bird didn't even didn't even place, so I I didn't have a chance to win the Superfecta, but. You know, it was it was a great race. I watched it. I have to admit, I didn't think American Farrell would do it because of the history of these fresh horses who get in the race who haven't run all three races. But uh, it proved itself worthy of the name Farrell, uh, a great horse. I do remember, yes, I do remember seeing Secretariat run away with the Triple Crown, and so this horse was worthy of the crown. Incredible. This, you know, oh, that, I don't know how that horse ran that fast. Oh, my goodness. Aguna, did you see that? 
Yeah, well, almost, yeah, I saw. Was, I didn't see it live, but you know, I went back and saw the. Uh, you know, went back and watched recordings of the race. And yeah, I mean, he won, and it's also the way he won it. I mean, he won it clearly by like a landslide. I mean, he had, you know, he, you know, there he was two lengths ahead of the, the second place horse. I mean, that was and for a horse like to David's point, for a horse to win the Belmont, especially the style of track, the length of the track, and the fact that you know the other horses that haven't run and the Preakness or the Kentucky Derby get into the circuit at the end there and run the Belmont. So for that horse, for American Pharaoh to win it the way he did in that style, and running the Triple Crown is not not easy by any point. I remember back, you know, like 10 years or so ago when Smarty Jones, you know, a local from uh, the Philadelphia area, you know, was 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 set to win the Triple Crown and, came up a little bit short. I think he placed fourth uh, because they let him lead the majority of the race and then they just walked him down at the end. So, yeah, it's not easy. So this is definitely a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And and because, you know, horses don't run as often as as they did back in the day, it was very unlikely that we would see a triple crown winner, you know, with the the way that they, um, the horse, the way the horse racing circuit, circuit is today. So, It'll be interesting, and then, of course, I think he's going to continue to race. Hopefully, he'll continue to race, you know, uh, and throughout the fall. But yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to see. I think they're going to have him show up uh, at the half school or uh, out at Saratoga come August. Okay. I'll, I'll be good to because a lot of times uh, horses retire after Go this. Ahead. No, no, I was just saying it would be nice to see him continue to race. Um, versus, you know, putting him in a uh, a breeding farm or whatever they do with horses that aren't racing anymore when they retire. Yeah, oh, but, but not the interesting thing I, I this year. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. But the interesting thing I read is that um, I think originally when he first he was there, the owner was trying to sell him for like three hundred thousand dollars, and now he's worth like twenty million or something like that. It was so something astronomical, but he he couldn't find. A buyer at three hundred thousand, and so now he's worth over like twenty or forty. I think it was twenty million, but I mean, <laughs> just goes to show you the investment. Yeah, and it's it's horse racing, and, and I'm excited. I thought it was a great race too, but sometimes you have to remember it's it's entertainment, it's horse racing, and sometimes they need to do what they need to do. And I don't want to be a bummer, but I think this year they kind of did what they wanted to do. They what they needed to do for their for the sport was have a triple crown because last year was the guy was so mad and he told it like it was and they just pulled every every you know a lot of good horses out and they made sure this was going to happen i'm just saying that 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 is a possibility i'm i'm not saying that's what happened i'm saying it's good for them it's so much excitement everybody's so happy and there's not i haven't heard anybody with a disparaging voice on this because everybody enjoys it everybody wanted this so whether it was or not, it was still a great race, you know, but it's still horse racing and, and boxing can be boxing sometimes and sports can be sports. So it it was it looked like it was a it, it I don't know, it kinda of, kinda of looked like it could have been kinda of funny, but that's just my opinion. You know what now, I, I agree was gonna... with you. I, I, I didn't I I don't want to put a damper on it either, but you know, I noticed that there were less horses in the race this year than there was the previous year. I agree with you. He told it like it was. The reason why it's very difficult to race is because 
you have these horses that don't run all three races. Some of them run the Kentucky Derby. They skip the Preakness. They run the Belmont State. Some, some don't run the other two. And now you're coming in facing all comers when you've run the first two races. So I, too, was kind of surprised that there was only eight horses in this field. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. They probably did what they needed to do because it's been 37 years. Yeah, it, it was time. They needed to do it, and that's what it was, in, in my opinion. Oh, you and all I, saying I it's a setup. Basically, y'all yeah, saying this was a setup for him to win. That's messed up. Right. Yeah. You're saying setup. it was a setup. I'm not saying it was a setup. I'm saying the conditions were more favorable than they've been in a while. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was like a perfect The conditions form. were more favorable yeah. for sure. <laughs> Maybe we're just too cynical. I don't know. Cynical. You all sound like Cousin Todd. <laughs> Talking to Republicans. You know, I mean, uh, anyway. Well, Cousin Todd uh, should be happy. Serena won. He should be thrilled. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. He was, I surprised let's him hear, the first story. Let's hear, let's hear what Serena had to say. Uh, it makes this trophy really special. I I, uh, I really wanted it. And, uh, oh, man, I wanted to win so bad. And uh, I just felt like. You know, um, had every opportunity in this match, and so uh, you know, being down from second, third, fourth round, and then you know, it wasn't very easy. So this is definitely probably one of my, I probably topped from my most difficult time to win. But it also makes me feel good that I was able to be fit and and uh, be able to win the the event. I can't believe I won. That's cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, Just sorry. talk about the second set. How were you feeling? Was it nerves? Was it something else? And how did you bounce back from that and be so strong in the third? It was interesting because usually I get really nervous because last time I won here, I was so nervous. So that time I wasn't that nervous. I got a little tight, but I wasn't super nervous. And then she started playing some good shots, and I hit a lot of double faults. And then my first serve abandoned me. and. And uh, and then once she saw that I got a little tight, she started playing really better, a lot better. She started playing like the player that that got her to the final, and that that's why she we, it was a tough match for me today. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was really a little because I felt I felt bad at that point. I felt like, gosh, if I lose this match, I'm just gonna try not to be too upset about it. And I just look at the positives that I'm even in the final, so. Um, yeah, I was just kind of trying to think about it that way. What does that mean to you to win this, sorry, this Grand Slam number 20? Um, I haven't really had a lot of time to take it in. Uh, I'm excited to win. I, I've still been kind of celebrating number 19. Um, and so here I am at 20, so, um... It really, like I said, it seems a little bit like a dream. Like, is this really my life? Is this really happening right now? So, yeah, it's really kind of weird. Hello, hello, Todd. Do you have anything to say? 
sorry. God. <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're so excited you are. Like, how can you be so excited that he has nothing to say? If Keith could get you so excited that you have nothing to say, then, you well, know, there is, half the battle will be over. There, I, She was obviously the favorite, but she was not playing so well the past couple of games. I'm sure you all didn't watch, but nevertheless, she was not playing. I had to turn it off at one point. I couldn't deal with it. What kind of fan are you, guys? You're the watching the highs and the lows. I'm I'm not a fanatic. No, no, no. I'm not married to none of these people. So, but I had to turn that thing off because she was just like, I said, "Uh uh-uh, I can't put myself through that. So, but anyway, she brought it home. And I don't think uh, the tennis world really appreciates uh, Serena and her sister the way they should. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Oh, wow. Probably you're talking because they're black. Because they're black, Todd. Is that why they don't uh, appreciate the world doesn't appreciate her and her sister? I didn't say that. Of course, the silly Republican said that. So now, what were you saying, David? Uh, no, I said I, I agree with Todd. I think that um, for their greatness, for Serena, because remember, it's interesting when both of them started out, it was Venus who really was doing very well, and, oh, yeah. and Serena was the little sister. And 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 now Serena has eclipsed Venus. Of course, Venus, uh, you know, to her credit, is, has not been well. Uh, although they although they still are killing it as doubles partners, they're just absolutely annihilating people. But right. I mean, the twentieth. I mean, you know, the first thing I thought about: why not take this to thirty and put it out of reach so nobody can get there? I mean, if she's at twenty, let's get thirty. Yeah, so right. that's that's what I was gonna ask. How many how many more the grand slams or whatever they, that she has that she has to to have before she's considered the greatest tennis yeah, player, a woman's tennis player ever? Is it like four I mean, or five? Billie Jean has said yeah. that she's one of the greatest ever. Yeah, she could be. She's got to win about four or five more, like like he said. Yeah, she will be considered the greatest ever. I do. I, I absolutely believe that. No, she's only got to win two more. One more, and she'll tie. Um, I forget the woman's name, but I'll I'll look it up for next week. But one more, she'll tie. Billy, Billy Jean King. Billy Jean King. No, I don't think it's Billy Jean King. <laughs> Somebody more recent than Billy Jean. Somebody more recent, I think. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, and one more, she'll like, tie her, and uh, uh, two more, and she'll beat her, and then she'll be the. Uh, I think she's tied right now. So maybe she needs to win three. Maybe she needs to win three. Listen, the yeah, person yeah. who deserves the credit and is forgotten about as far as I'm concerned is their the father, father, Richard Williams. The father. Absolutely. Okay. This yeah, is yeah. a guy who didn't even know how to play tennis and took a book from the library, taught himself right. the game so he could teach it to them, yeah. took them out on the court, and then what he did was instead of burning them out like a lot of these other kids by sending right. them to, and having them play, he only had them play on the weekends. He still had them focus on school and everything. And and so when people look back, and then, of course, 
when they couldn't get out there and say anything, he would be out there speaking for them and fighting their battles when nobody else wanted to address the issues that were out there, like Cousin Todd. And so, therefore, to me, at the end of the day, this is the guy who's the unspoken hero that nobody's talking about anymore. Like, like Tiger's right. father. Like Tiger's father did for him. That's, it's important to have a good dad that's going to be stronger for their kid and be good for him. I agree with you. Okay, so I found it on Wikipedia. It says, frequently hailed as a queen of the court by general media, Williams holds the most major singles, doubles, and mixed doubles titles combined amongst active players, male or female. Her record of 35 Grand Slam titles puts her seventh on the all-time list. She is the most Seven? recent player. Yeah, she is the most recent player, male or female, to have held all four Grand Slam titles simultaneously, 2002 wow. to 2003, and the fifth woman ever to do so. Um, it says her total of 20 Grand Slam singles titles is third on the all-time list mm-hmm. behind Margaret Court and Steffi Graf. Yeah, and second about. in the open era behind only Grass. Mm-hmm. She has won 13 Grand Slam double titles with her sister Venus, and the pair are unbeaten in Grand Slam finals. Williams is also the five-time winner of the WTA Tour Championship. The arrival of the Williams sisters has been credited with launching a new era of power in women's tennis. Williams has won four Olympic gold medals, one in women's singles, and three in women's doubles, and an all-time record share with her sister, Venus Williams. I mean, she's just incredible. She really is an incredible player. Oh, no question. No, no, and, and, And you know what? I have to tell you something. And I will tell you this, Cousin Todd, I enjoy watching them play doubles. They just kill people. They don't give yeah, them a right. Except this last year they lost. Which was, which was, which was shocking in itself. Shocking. Um, you know, but, but you know, sometimes it's good for the game because if, if, yeah. if, if, if they win all the time, I mean, it becomes like, right. well, who else, right. you know? Exactly. Why would you even have to watch? Because they play for the local team here in DC, um, the pro this uh world team tennis or something. And these guys went something like forty nine, fifty games in a row without losing. So I mean it, it, as I'm sure Todd will agree, there's not really much more we can say about them. They it's just fantastic. I, I just really, I'm a, I'm a Serena fan, but I have to say originally I was a Venus fan, um, and I'm sorry that she's gotten sick uh, because I think she was a great player herself. Hello? Well, the, I, I also oh, did just I'm sorry, to I was talking. The, I had myself on mute. Oh, oh. Give us a call, 213-943-3655. Once again, that's 213-943-3655. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, before Stephen goes, I just wanted to mention the men's. Um, Djokovic lost. 
which was a shocker, to uh, Walranka. Stan Walranka. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, well, what's well, what's wrong with Djokovic? How how could how could he lose, cousin Todd? How could he lose? It, it, it's amazing. <laughs> Steven, stop <laughs> acting like you care. No, no, no. I have a friend that I have a friend that that their favorite player favorite player is Djokovic, and he's just absolutely devastated. Seriously, and I, and I know he's the, the best. How could he lose? He wins almost all of them. Djokovic just wins. He's like Serena. I mean, this is a huge loss for him. How did he lose? Well, you know that's the way it goes. <laughs> well, I, 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 I heard hey, the commentary that this guy Hankers is in a bad place. Oh, well, he's a bit God. of a show-off. Can we, for the love of God, can we talk about football? Well, it takes one and no one. Go ahead and do it Oh, my gosh. Todd, obviously, Todd is not sharing his wonderful insight and just tennis prowess with us, so we might as well move on to football. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Go ahead Dana. Well, um, <laughs> I just want to report that, you know, the Eagles from Eagles, um, OTAs, I know Mathis isn't, didn't show up because he may get cut or traded, but the Eagles are looking good. I'm predicting right here, right now, a minimum of 11 games this year. We're going to win a minimum of 11 games, which is only one more game. Wake up, wake year. up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't even know how you can We got this. We got this. I, you know, people, no. are, are, people forget because the thing about it is it's not even the offense, it's the defense. I think the offense is okay, but the defense is what's going to put us over the top. The Eagles' defense wow. is ranked like 28. As long as they're in the top 15 this year, we can win. I mean, they were second in the league in sacks last year. So I think, you know, if they actually have Joe Alonzo and Kendricks and Cox, you know, they've actually added some depth in the linebacking position that's going to really help them out. So there's going to be so people keep on focusing on the Tebow and the offense, but it's really the defense, you know, improved secondary, improved front seven is going to put them over the top this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I do think he's going to get cut, by the way. I think Riley Cooper's going to – well, I don't know. Maybe not. He's actually, you know. Why don't they cut him for somebody? What did he do last year to deserve to have a job? Well, the thing is, he, he actually – he did the year before. You know, he was poised to have a breakout year. He never came. You know, he never stepped up. I think part of that was because Foles got hurt through the season. But, I mean, he does a lot of things away from off the ball. It's like in hockey. You can't just watch – who has the ball? You got to watch the play away from the ball, right? So I mean, well, he's a real true. good blocker, special teams guy. So yeah. I mean, but that's and then, true. Of course, but you have to have production. Him, but see, if they cut him, they're also going to take a cap hit. Yeah, his production was oh, definitely right? down. Yeah, yeah, so that's the thing. So I mean, you might as well. Uh, if they take a cap hit, you, you might as well keep him. They might as well keep him then. Yeah, unless someone's stupid enough to trade for him, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but. Well, what's going on with your um, Redskins, Stephen? Before Nothing. we go on to hockey, <laughs> same old thing. We'll, we'll be fighting for last place. 
probably against Dallas or the, or the Eagles or the Giants. We'll be no, fighting them probably the last game. No, not against right. the Eagles, sorry. Maybe Dallas. You don't think Dallas – anybody could be last place. You never know. Yeah, if, RG3, if RG3 can stay healthy and the changes they've made can work, they can be a contender. Anybody can at this point. Everybody has hope. Everybody's like an eight-year-old kid getting ready for the football season because they've done a lot of changes. Y'all's team has, our team has. The Giants, I don't know if the Giants done too much, but Dallas has done a lot, and you just, you never can tell. Anything can happen. Just got to be healthy. And our track record is not healthy. Well, with Bradford, we can't guarantee he's going to be healthy. No, no. You'll be with Tebow for long. They said the same thing last year when Sanchez had to take over. They said Sanchez was going to get hurt, and he never did. The people think that just because you got hurt one time, all of a sudden you're not going to, you can never be healthy again. So that's the risk I think Chip Kelly took. Because at the end of the day, Bradford, even Tebow, the first round was a first round draft pick when he when he mm-hmm. came out. So I mean, if he, if the bottom line of it is he wasn't going to get a number one pick or a top round or a top ten pick. In the draft, and if he did, Eagles fans would be mad because that meant that the Eagles would have probably had to have gone like five and five and eleven or something. So, yeah, he had to trade for him. He had to trade for a potential number one pick because Sam Bradford was a number one pick overall. So, I mean, if he works yeah. out great, if not, you know, you just let him walk. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think Tebow's hung around enough that he's going to be pretty good. He just has to really focus. He really had to get his act together. Which he didn't. Who, who, was, Tebow? Was, was, yeah, I think Tebow, Tebow could Bradford. be right. Oh man, well, Bradford, I think Bradford. I think Tebow makes the team. No, I think Bradford will eventually get hurt because when you get hurt, you're more susceptible to get hurt. But I think Tebow well, is a healthy but, person, but he's a healthy body. That's only if you put. Remember, he was in St. Louis. They didn't have a great offensive line, and they didn't have a running game either. So, I mean, if you run the ball, and you can see that, you know, Chip Kelly's going to definitely run the ball with Murray and Mathis. He's going to run the ball. So, if you do that and and you just dink and dunk your way down the field, you're less likely to get hurt. And see, the one thing, you know, Sam Bradford's release is a second faster than Nick Foles. The whole second. And that's, that's, that's huge when it comes to football. Yeah, so, you're saying that, that if huge. he stays healthy, you know, he, he's going to release. And the receivers that the Eagles got, as underrated as they are, I mean, these are guys, yeah. these are possession guys that are like dink, they're going to dink and dunk you to death. They're going to run the ball up-tempo and dink and dunk defenses to death. And they're not going to allow you to switch out personnel. And that's how Chip Kelly's going to play this year. So that's why he had to get rid of a Deshaun Jackson. He had to get rid yeah. of a, 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 a Macklin. Because these guys, even though they're a great athlete, you know, the system, you know, they, he's a systems guy. So he, he, he wants to depend on yards after the catch short passes, underneath, and those are things that Sanchez and Nebraska can throw very accurately. So, we'll see. That's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm excited about Tebow. Yeah, but Tebow could be effective in other ways. He could be a fullback. He could be a tight end. He could do different things until maybe eventually, I know you don't want it, maybe eventually he would be quarterback. But I think he'd be good for the team. Just like Riley Cooper, it's the things that he's going to do within, like, blocking and things like that, that you, he's not going to get all the stats. But I think there's something he could do. I wouldn't get rid of him. I really wouldn't. He's had a lot well, of time to sit back and, and, and try to get himself together. Well, I know in the offseason they did some rule changes, uh, one being the extra point, moving two-point conversions to, like, the half inch of the one-yard line. So, if yeah. you do stuff like that, you can put a T-bow in there. And, right. you know, he can 
you can run on, you know. So, but that's it. And they also are expanding the active roster. I think so. I think mm-hmm. you may be able to have three active quarterbacks versus two or something like that on oh, the um, game day roster. Are they definitely roster. doing that? Do you know? Are they definitely I, doing I, that? I, I think so. I gotta go back and check. But I think that they, those were some of the rules changes they had talked about. Both New England and mm-hmm. the Eagles had submitted for those type of changes. So we'll see. And I think that's the yeah, rationale behind Chip Kelly, you know, getting Tebow, other than just being an arm, you know, somebody to come to camp and throw to these wideouts. But, hey, you know, right. we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, please bring on football because otherwise we're going to be talking about tennis for the rest of the you know, we'll be talking about the French Open soon. Or not the French Open, but Wimbledon. No, Todd will be talking about tennis for the rest of the year. <laughs> Ain't no Eagle fans going to be talking about no tennis for the rest of the year. You can forget that. Let's go on to the uh, National Hockey League where the Tampa Bay Lightning are leading the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm so happy. I'm so sick of the Blackhawks. In the series, 2-1 to one in the Stay in the Cup. Can't wait till the Flyers get to drink out that cup again. Um, they're leading it 2-1. to one. Next game is tomorrow, 8 p.m. Anybody been watching the series? Okay, on NBA. The game is tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been watching, I've been watching a little bit, by the way, just a little bit. Uh, not the much, hockey, but, and, like, Tampa unlike Bay and the, Chicago yeah. Blackhawks, a little bit of it. It wasn't yeah, but exciting. I've been, I've been, I've been, I know, but I was rooting for the uh, – there has been no scoring, but I, I was rooting for the Blackhawks at the beginning, but it wouldn't be bad to see somebody else win. I'm not that invested in it, you know. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to be good. And and it'll probably I, go to I, seven I games. I think it should be against the law for a team that you can't play hockey – you know, for in for a city, in yeah, the hockey city. Team where you really can't play it outside. City, right? You can't. Yeah, they exactly. can't. Exactly. have a hockey team. Right. Right. You know, right. right. You can't play camp. You can't play hockey in Tampa Bay. No. On the no. outside, you know, it should be against the law. Or California, yeah. but that would be cool for them to win because they're not. You know, it's not indigenous to them, so it's kind of cool that they right. win. You can't but knock I'm out. Doing that's the same. That's the same thing for FIFA with soccer. You know what I mean? They're like, how can Qatar have won, you know, the cup, and you know you can't even play outside Qatar in the middle of their uh, summer. Right. So well, you can, and and you know they're talking about if they find out that those votes were bought, you know that Russia and Qatar may be stripped of those World Cup um, of those World Cup awards, which is good for the U.S. because the only country outside of yeah. you know certain European countries that could probably accommodate a World Cup on short notice because, again, you know, when these countries have the World Cup, they're building stadiums three, four years out. You know, yep. so, you know, they've already started on certain stadiums in Qatar and in and, and Russia. So, and the only other, you know, only other country that really has those type of facilities is going to be the U.S. and certain European nations on short notice. So. Yeah, but we need it here. That's why, that's why we went, that's why we made the huge complaint is because we wanted them here. We want, yeah. we want that World Cup here. Absolutely. If we could get that, that would be and a I'm, huge coup. Huge. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I, that would be cool with that, man. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yep, so. Well, um, on to the NBA. That game, LeBron cannot continue to carry the Cavaliers by himself. He doesn't have Dwayne Wade with his high-water pants on. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't well. have everybody. I mean, he can't carry them the whole series alone. He He just can't do it. Maybe I maybe don't know. He can. I don't know about that. I don't. I'm He's about to say. He, I'm about to say. I mean, he has. I mean, he played. If he can play like he did game two tonight, there's going to be something. And again, they're going back to Cleveland. They only needed one game 
on the road, and it's hard to win in at Golden State. You know that that out, you know that that, does, that didn't happen too many times during the season. And I mean, they were dominating. I mean, the Cavs were dominating that game. I mean, Golden mm-hmm. State was lucky to take it to overtime. I mean, the Cavs were yep. by eleven going into the fourth. So it's like, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Tonight is going to be a very pivotal game because now they've stolen yeah. one on the road. If they can sustain that, and they're going to have the Cleveland fans. They're not going to be able to sustain it. They're not going to be able to sustain it. Let's Cousin Todd. Oh, man, he's going to ask who their wives are. No, no, no. LeBron played for 50 minutes. Excuse me, LeBron played for 50 minutes. 50, 5 He can't do that continuously. But if anybody oh, sure. can, he yeah. can. He he is amazing. Yeah. He's a top top two player of all time, I think. That's right. I, I remember heard, I, I said before he's only going to have three more years on top. And Aguna said, "What? I'm going to teach you about basketball. He's <laughs> going to do this because um, he has to. And now to go back home and bring a ring back home, he's he's going to do it. Maybe not." Well, he's, not he's not going to do that, Somebody. David. <laughs> it's Cleveland. You know, David. I think, first of all, yeah. First of all, LeBron James is, is you know, is, is no question. If anybody can carry a team, he can. But, again, you know, I don't, I don't know a guy logging these kind of minutes, you know. I mean, if anybody can do it, he can. But somewhere down the road, I mean, this is why Kyrie Irving, a lot of these guys are going down. I mean, you know, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, these guys, guys, they've been playing playoff basketball, you know, Olympic trials, you know, all these kind of games. At some point, you can see what's happening to Dwayne Wade. I mean, at some point, these guys are not going to be able to do it. And, And, you know, LeBron can be probably on top for another couple of years, but if if he's gonna if anybody can do it he can do it because technically it, you know they almost won they could have won game one so they could have been up two zero at this point right right You're exactly but they came right. away they came away with a split so you know any anything you know anything is possible you know anything is possible emotion you know you know you know one player thing get people get on a roll or they get on one of the best roles they've ever gotten. And, you know, who knows what can happen. I mean, I didn't think when Kevin Love went down, I thought they were going to have a problem. And now Kyrie Irving. But you know what? You know, the great guys find a way to win. I mean, you know, it reminds me of that, you know, that performance that Isaiah Thomas gave that time in the finals against the Lakers when he was really playing basketball on one leg. It's just, just kept making a shot after shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't stand him. But he did okay. He's just so ignorant. Ignorance just What are you talking about? Does anybody know what you're talking about? <laughs> no. Oh, we have amnesia. What are you talking about? Oh, okay, I'll have to remind you. <clears throat> Now, I was very young, so I really don't remember it. I just remember my parents telling me about it. <laughs> but remember um, Magic Johnson um, had acquired immune deficiency syndrome, and he was um, one of the loudest voices <laughs> speaking against 
Magic Johnson. Do you Who remember that? Who no, was? No. Who? Who no. was Isaiah. No. No, it was Carl. No, Carl Malone was one of the biggest voices out there. I do remember that. Isaiah Thomas was never out there like that again. Isaiah against Thomas Magic. said, "That's when I stopped liking him." I said, "Listen to this ignorant boy." And they were friends. So yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. In fact, they're they they've been longtime friends. I don't. You know what? I have to go back. Side, I mean, I have to go back to the side and check that because one of the loudest voices out there. And got a lot of criticism for it was Carl Malone. I do remember that. I don't remember Isaiah Thomas coming out and making not so nice statements against Magic. I don't remember that. I remember something I about Isaiah. I think he's right there. I think he's, I remember something yeah, about that was, Isaiah. I, that's when I stopped liking him. So you know, I remember him. now maybe I, you know I hate to say this, but it says Magic Johnson reconciled with with Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Listen, I don't need backing. I don't need anything. I know why I can't stand the boy. Remember or can't be called. That's fine. Todd, leave it, Todd, leave Todd, it to Cousin Todd. Todd. Leave it to Cousin Todd to bring gossip to into the conversation. Yeah, and nobody talks about when it comes to sports. Any of you want to gossip during sports? There's nothing sacred. Gossip? Is that what you're calling it? <laughs> Slanderous allegations? <laughs> But you know what, okay. see, I will bring this up since Todd bring it up. I will say this, and, and, and it's not getting off track, but it is. I will say this. I am surprised. I will say I am surprised that the owner of the Knicks brought Isaiah Thomas in to run the Liberty franchise, especially in the backdrop of that Isaiah was successfully, or the Knicks organization was successfully sued because of Isaiah's behavior toward a female, uh, a New York Knicks executive, I am surprised that um, especially a women's basketball team that he was put into the front office. I will say that. So, so since we're, we're talking about Isaiah Thomas, I will say I am, I am Lord, absolutely David. surprised by that. David, uh, yeah, you that Isaiah Thomas, he's Stone Age. Yeah, see, oh, David, man. you're trying to make up the time last week. I can't believe it. <laughs> so stop feeding into the tide. So I'm really disappointed. Let's move on. Oh, what, are you I'm really about disappointed. Women's World Cup, Stacey? Women's huh? World Cup? Women's World Cup, Cup Canada 2015. Team USA won last night 3-1 over Australia. And, of course, Nigeria tied Sweden. So go Nigeria, go Team USA. Go Team USA. Thank you. Um, our thoughts and prayers to the Biden family and the loss of uh, Bo Biden. Where President Obama did the eulogy. Let's hear a quick uh, snippet of his uh, talk. You know, anyone can make a name for themselves in this reality TV age, especially in today's politics. If you're loud enough or controversial enough, you can get some attention. But to make that name mean something, to have it associated with dignity and integrity. That is rare. There's no shortcut to get it. It's not something you can buy. But if you do right by your children, 
Maybe you can pass it on. And what greater inheritance is there? What greater inheritance than to be part of a family that passes on the values of what it means to be a great parent? That passes on the values of what it means to be a true citizen? That passes on the values of what it means to give back fully and freely without expecting anything in return? That's what our country was built on. Men like Bo. That's who built it. Families like this. Yeah, that was the president um, crying in between his comments. I guess it was a very moving, moving uh, speech for him. But it was eulogy. a very moving uh, eulogy uh, for Bo Biden. I'm glad he was able to, to take part in that because he seemed to be a really good person. Uh, Bill Biden did. Anyone want to comment before we move on? Listen, it's All a, right. it's, a uh, it's an American tragedy. Um, you know, it's, you know, a young person like this, you know, no family, no parents expects to bury their own children. And, you know, for Joe Biden himself to, to for his son to survive and he lost his his wife and daughter in, in, in a car accident. Everybody knows the story. And then to, to to rebuild his family and move forward, and then his son would be cut down at, in, a, in a prime of life uh, with so much promise ahead. It's just, uh, it's just very, very tough. Too much, yeah. too much, too much pain for, for one person, really. Right. And, and you know it, it is. It's horrible. Feel bad, but I think he may get that uh, the sympathy vote if he runs against Hillary for the presidency. Exactly, Stacey. I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't want to say it. I mean, he could no. really he could really ride a wave if he wanted to, and and beat her because this is everybody. Everybody feels bad for him. It's not political. It's it's personal. You know. And well, he, that nah. that that only lasts. He doesn't, he, doesn't he doesn't have as much negativity towards him as Hillary does. He has gaffes. He's like that crazy Uncle Joe. He has his gaffes, but you don't see really any, I don't know, any kind of corruption involved with him. I don't know. You know, usually the vice president runs. He he may do it. I don't know. Um, maybe not. Well, there won't be a sympathy vote. Death only lasts a month or two. I know, but uh, isn't that something When the president first started talking I thought he was talking about Todd <laughs> <laughs> When he said, you what? know, you, can get, you? you know <laughs> When the president said, you know, in the beginning Then you hear what he had to say Let me replay that I said, <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Anyway yeah. Anyone can that, make uh, uh, a name for themselves Anyone can make a name for themselves. Reality TV age. (laughs) (laughs) In this reality TV age, that's Todd. I said, you talking about Todd? Everybody knows Todd. Like I was saying, our sympathy (laughs) vote, uh, he would not get because it only lasts death when when a famous person or a political person dies. That sympathy only lasts a month or two, and then people forget and move on. And I've discussed this 
many times with, uh, like, family, the only people that care whether or not you live or die is your family and few close friends. Everybody else quickly gets over it and moves on. The strange thing, this thing called death. Okay, today Dennis... It wouldn't be a sympathy vote for him too far away. Today Dennis has... if it were coming up sooner, like within the next six months, we were going to be voting, he may get it, but not the case. Go ahead. Dennis Hastert was indicted today. Let's hear the report. We've just received uh, more video of Hastert arriving at the courthouse in Chicago today. Uh, take a look at this. You see him uh, there, the, uh, the car arriving at the courthouse. You'll see Dennis Hastert get out. There he is. Uh, walk into the court. Uh, these proceedings are going to be taking place fairly soon. Uh, obviously, a lot of media there, photographers jostling to ask him some questions and get through uh, not a pleasant experience, clearly, for the former Speaker of the House of Representatives as he makes his way slowly inside that building uh, for this uh, court appearance. Joining us now is Paul Butler. He's a former federal prosecutor. He's a professor at the Georgetown University Law School here in Washington. So, uh, Paul, walk us through where this goes from here. So this is an arraignment in which Mr. Hastert will have the opportunity to make a plea. Almost certainly he will plead not guilty. Sometimes defendants plead guilty, but not in a case like this, and not with a pit bull lawyer like Tom Green. Now, he did plead not guilty today. The 73-year-old Illinois Republican was uh, charged this afternoon uh, for lying to the FBI about illegal bank withdrawals, according to NBCNews.com, money he allegedly used for payoffs to keep sexual misconduct accusations under wraps. Uh, Keith, is he guilty? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I really don't. I don't know if he's guilty or not, but I tell you, he's going to be taken through the ringer whether he's guilty or not because he's a Republican. You can bet that. Yeah, it's unfortunate, Stephen, that uh, a man's career is marred by something that happened that was really horrific, actually, uh, that happened prior to him becoming Speaker of the House. I don't understand how he could have made it so far staying in the office for so long and that not have been brought up and him not having been charged for those alleged crimes then and paying for them. I I mean, to take advantage of a child, uh, and these were children, is one of the worst things you could do. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know either. And if they have proof that he's been giving this person money who has been saying he's He's taking money as to as like shut up, you know, be quiet. If he's taking like three point five million dollars or whatever it is, then yeah, why hasn't this come out sooner? I don't know, but maybe it's because he's been paying the guy off. And I heard there was more people involved. Am I correct in that, Stacy? More than yeah. One? Let's hear from uh, one of the victims, alleged victim's sister. Thank you. And after the shocking revelations in the indictment, another accusation against former House Speaker Dennis Hastert, alleged abuse of four decades ago. He damaged Steve, um, I think, more than any of us will ever know. This is Jolene Burge, who accused Hastert of sexually abusing her brother back at Yorkville High School in Illinois, while Hastert was a wrestling coach. She told ABC News that her brother, Stephen Reinbolt, confided in her years ago when he revealed he was gay. 
He's now deceased. I asked him, Stevie, when was your first same-sex experience? I mean, he just looked at me and said, it was with Dennis Astard. And I just, I, I you know, I was stunned. I said, why didn't you ever tell anybody, Stevie? And he just looked at me and said, who is ever going to believe me? She was approached by the FBI in recent weeks about Hastert before his indictment became public. He faces charges of bank fraud and lying to the FBI about hush money paid to another former student who was also abused. The Justice Department says he agreed to pay $3.5 million to cover up his past misconduct. But Burge told ABC News she's not the one who got the hush money. And CNN has learned the FBI has also spoken to a second person as part of the investigation, not Burge, who was also alleged to have been a victim. Hastert was a wrestling coach and Boy Scout leader before coming to Washington in 1987. He became the longest-serving Republican speaker, leaving Congress in 2007 after Democrats won control of the House. He's been in hiding since the charges were made public last week. Jolene Bird said she confronted Hastert when he tried to attend her brother's funeral. I just looked at him and I said, I want to know why you did what you did to my brother. I want you to know that your secret didn't die in there with my brother. She did not respond to messages today from CNN. On her Facebook page, she posted a story about Hastert and wrote, I can say with absolute certainty there is so much more to this story. Finally, the truth. His former colleagues say they're stunned at the charges against Haster. I was as shocked and dismayed by the reports uh, that I read as anyone else around here. Now, Hastert and his attorney have not responded to our request for comments, but he did deny the allegations to ABC back when they first arose in 2006. They were never reported at the time, but given the new federal investigation, that's why his sister came forward this week. Now, Jake, he has a court appearance in Chicago next week. Yeah, that court appearance was today. Uh, definitely, definitely sad. Uh, David Bird, um, how did he get away with it for so long? Boy Scout leader? Come on, are you kidding me? Um, you know, you know, sometimes these things, it's, it's, it's very interesting. If you remember, Hastert came to power because of the ethics violations that, Newt, you know, Newt Gingrich, they, they pulled the coup on Newt, he was out, and then Bob Livingston was supposed to take over, and then Bob announced that he wasn't going to do it because he had an extramarital affair, and so everybody thought Denny Hastert would be the guy because he was vanilla. He was clean. And we come to find out um, that, that, that he wasn't the celebrated wrestling coach who won a state championship with the local wrestling team was uh, unfortunately had uh, uh, abused one of, one of the charges, one of the student athletes that was, that was in, in, in his, you know, underneath him as, as a coach. Um, why and how this never came out, uh, who knows what, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting how that money and powerful people are able to keep things hush-hush for a long time or until after we found it over. I mean, how how was it, Stacey, until after Strom Thurmond died that the world found out that he had an African-American daughter? <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, the small yeah. segregationist had a daughter that he paid for, that he paid for her education at South Carolina State University, and this was the guy mm-hmm. who was. This is the guy who's really responsible for the modern day Republican Party, 
and we find out after he passed away that he had an African-American daughter that he had been supporting his whole life. Oh, good for him. That's her money. So, I good mean... Good for him. Right. Yes, yeah. good for him that he assumed his responsibility, <laughs> but you're talking about secrets, keeping these things yeah. secret. It's amazing is what we just said. Money and power can keep these things squashed for a long time. And these are the people we trust to run our health care and uh, to run our our uh, lives and govern us. Isn't that amazing? What can we do about it? And what's even a more amazing, Stacy, is a law that Hastert helped put in place became his undoing because it was the law of putting in the, these laws, these more stringent regulations that came in after 9-11. Because if you remember, prior to 9-11, you know, you didn't have to report any withdrawals that were, un- that were, o- that were under 9000 It had to be, the thing was, if it was over $9,000, you had to, to report it. But after 9-11, the, the standard came down from, I think, 9 to either 6 or 3 that the banks right. have to report now. So this is a law that he helped push through that became his own undoing. Mm, That's karma. That's karma. Go ahead, um, Aguna or Todd. Aguna, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Yeah, just chickens coming home to roost. And it's ironic that a lot of these guys, you know, they're they're in glass houses throwing stones when it comes to ethics and um. when it comes to the morality of at the time, and now you see these things coming out. But, again, it goes back to, to David's point about having power and money. And really, we don't have a lot of options when it comes to our elected officials because, you know, in order to run for for any elected position, you have to have money. It's just, an, And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about an astronomical amount of money. And going back to my, my roundtable last time, this Citizens United ruling, saying that corporations are people. That means corporations can influence votes and do all these other things. That's, that's a dangerous ground that, we've, um, that we're, we're, we're coming onto in this election cycle because now it doesn't matter how, you know, these elected officials aren't in touch with the common-day Americans because at the end of the day, they are reflecting the donor, the donor population. They are reflecting those who are influencing the most. Those, that's the legislation that they're going to push, no matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. They're going to push whatever donor is donating to their cause is going to be the legislation that is going to be pushed upon us. And those are the candidates that we're going to have to choose from. And Steve asked, what do we do about it? What we do is educate the population, educate the people, to try to encourage them to come back to the principles of our founding. That's the best thing we could do. And do it, start with the young generations. That's what I work with kids every day. So the the original question you asked uh, Keith was, so Keith, did he do this or not? And, of course, Keith said, I don't know. Well, who are you Mm going to educate if you don't know anything? Well, uh, I can't accuse somebody of something until they're proven guilty. Common sense would tell you. Innocent until proven guilty, my friend. fire. Innocent until proven guilty. We don't know. What he's being accused of is violating banking regulations and lying to the FBI. One person that that allegedly that he molested is dead has passed away, so we really don't know what he did. All we know is 
the allegation, but what he's being charged with, people forgetting the actual violation is violating banking regulations and and, and lying to the FBI about taking that money out. He's not being charged with sexual abuse or or touching anybody. Also, let me add to it, David. Let me add to it for uh, let me add to that uh, for Todd. Uh, Todd, uh, you might feel good about this. I do not even accuse Hillary of all the things she's accused of until it is proven. Now, I don't even know all the things that she's being accused of, all of the laundering and all the things with she and her husband and you know making money and uh, you know all that. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't. I don't expect you to accuse Hillary. You're busy accusing Barack Obama. But anyway. Uh, this is what I'm saying. And let me just educate you Republicans. He did it, dum dum, surprise. And how do you know? Where's your where's your source how, of evidence? How do you know that? You ought to be the prosecutor. You ought to be the prosecutor. You know more than the prosecutors are letting us know. Why is he paying the money? Why is he why is he paying him money if he's not if he's not trying to cover something up? What else would it be oh, well. paying him money for? Well, we can always assume that, but I want to know what Todd knows. Todd says he's naturally sure the guy's guilty. Why would he be? Why would he be giving him money? He's giving him money for a reason to shut him off. Because when you're a Boy Scout leader and you're a Republican guy and you're having sex with children, shh, got to be quiet about that. And it costs money. That's the same thing as a Democrat or anybody. Well, Steve, Steve, you remember? You remember in the last election when the black guy? Better at it. You remember the black guy, um, what was his name, 999? Oh, yes, the black guy. 911, yeah. what was that guy, 999 guy? And he said uh, they, he was accused of all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, adultery with women and so forth. But it never came out. You know, he just went away. He dropped out of the race and everything stopped. So I don't So I don't know if he's really accused of it or not. Was he paying money? Was he paying money to somebody that would add up to $3.5 million? He's doing this for a reason. That's kind of like your proof is right there in front of your face. It's like somebody drew you a picture, and you're like, wow, that's exactly what it is. This is, <laughs> this, this is not, well, not it a takes question. Republicans a little bit longer to catch on. Well, you know, sometimes a company, a corporation, and Aguna can, uh, can verify this if it's I'll true. Cu- sometimes a corporation will pay out large sums of money to avoid okay. a court okay. uh, cost and to avoid yeah, a big scene with the courts. But that's yeah, true, too. True. If you're innocent, if you're innocent and million dollars. why are you paying $3.5 million if you did nothing wrong? I'd say... Oh, well, like I said, uh, there, there, are, there are big corporations that pay out oh, a please, lot of money in lawsuits please. so that they don't end up in court, uh, in, in a court situation. I don't know. I'm not, su- I'm not trying a, to justify the guy. I don't know. And, and, and it's, it's a very good point. Aguna, am I correct? That's true. Because it's going to cost more to go to court. See? Just settle out of court, but I mean, I don't know. If Nonsense. That's here. I don't know. Nonsense. I don't know, guys. Well, we could go around this all day, and, okay, and not, moving it doesn't on. affect us. We could go through this all day, guys, and waste our time talking about it, and it's not going to affect us either way. So I don't know. <laughs> we can go back and forth with this if you want. Right, What's I next, mean, baby? <laughs> I, I agree. Celebrities, big time celebrities, do this all the time. Because it's going to cost them more at the end of the day to go to court than to exactly. settle this out of court. Exactly. Right. Settlements and stuff do that. No. I mean, but that's uh, only if you have something to lose. So it may be about reputation at that point. So maybe he was. So that yeah. has an air of truth to it. It may be 
but maybe you couldn't prove that it's untrue. So I don't know. you got to look at what way. Yeah. Well. And the only reason why celebrities do this all the time is because they're guilty. Oh well. <laughs> oh, I don't okay, agree well, with fine. that. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Well, well, Bruce so Jenner is about to get yeah. sued. Let's see what he does. I mean, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Sorry, guys, I mistake there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I know you're infatuated with her. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? I, I, I feel compelled to say, and, and let me explain, Michael Jackson paid off the guy, one of the, one of the people that, that, that tried to take him to court. Yeah, uh, right. him, advised him to settle because yep. it would cost more. And then the young man came back later and said that it wasn't true that he was pressured by ah, his family thank to you, go David. forward in the lawsuit. Thank you, David. Right. I remember that. That's right. Thank you, David. Yes, what's that's cost more? Right, what's going to cost the man, what's going to cost you more than $3.5 million? Uh, that's well. a lot of money. Well, okay. Guys, we're let's, wasting let's, our time. Anyway, yeah, right, thank you, Stacy. Let's go to the go horse ahead, uh, Finish up, Todd. <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the point is, there were other allegations against, but, and you, I can remember Bill O'Reilly talking about that. And if he didn't do it, then why would he pay him off? Typical Fox News question. Then why would uh-huh. he pay him off until Bill O'Reilly paid off a girl who was accusing him of some kind of <laughs> sexual misconduct? And he paid her off, but he refuses to discuss that ever again. Typical Republican. All done. Moving on. Thank you. The president uh, attended the G7 summit that's no longer called the G8. Rush out. And let's hear what he had to say. President Obama used his trip to the G7 summit in Germany to reaffirm the U.S. commitment to fighting ISIS. But as is often the case at gatherings of world leaders, some of the most memorable moments happened on the sidelines. Our chief White House correspondent, Chris Jansing, explains. He looked like the ultimate outsider trying to make his way in. Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi eager to get President Obama's attention. Sitting, standing, hovering, it looked like a snub. But looks were deceiving. Abadi got what he came for, a promise of more help to defeat surprisingly resilient ISIS fighters. They're nimble. Uh, and they're aggressive and they're opportunistic. The president ordering up a new plan from the Pentagon to accelerate training and equipping Iraqi forces, a shift in U.S. strategy that the president admits is still a work in progress. We don't yet have uh, a, uh, a complete strategy because it requires commitments on the part of the Iraqis as well. Well, Abadi got what he wanted. On another pressing issue, so did President Obama. The leaders declared a united front against Russia for its continuing aggression in Ukraine. And while that is the news of the day, this is the photo. The president and an expressive German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Drawing quick online comparisons to another famous image amid the Alpine splendor. Chris Jansing, NBC News, Telfs, Austria. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Okay, that was an important meeting this week, but what's the most important meeting is the Bilderberger Conference. For those of you, uh, do you guys know what Bilderberger is? Yes. No. Bilderberg meeting. Just get to it. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cousin Todd, you get to it. 
Go ahead, Stacey. No, go ahead, Todd. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Now we can. Can't hear anything, do you? Okay. So anyway, Aguna, the the G7, do you think it was as successful as they wanted it to be? Do you think uh, the Chancellor of Germany was letting the President have it because he tapped her phone? (laughs) Yeah, so I know there there were a lot of underlying storylines with the G7 summit being one of which the name because they kicked Russia out because of what they're doing in the Ukraine and all this other stuff. So it was interesting. I mean, I think think the the president was being blatantly honest when it comes to ISIS. I mean, there there really is no strategy. There can't be a strategy. I mean, without help. Without help, right. I don't think that the U.S. should, should run into any on-the-ground situation there. I mean, the Iraqi government has to take ownership. Uh, other states in the region have to get involved in order to combat it. And ISIS isn't necessarily an entity as much as it is an ideology. I mean, one of the reasons why ISIS came to power was because of the inefficiency and lack and the corruption within the Iraqi government and the distrust of the Sunni with the Shiite majority. So when when they t- when the, the president says, hey, we need to, there's no consensus or no, there's no, broad strategy, I mean, there can't be. I mean, the whole region is destabilized. I mean, a lot of a lot of the areas in which ISIS controls, the people in those areas are welcoming ISIS because they'd rather have ISIS there than the Iraqi government. So that's a very complex situation. And because of there is no Iraqi middle class, per se, because that was kind of wiped out with, you know, <laughs> after the war. So you don't have, uh, you don't have an educated middle class that has mm-hmm. upper mobility that will look to democracy and free market and that type of social economic stabilization. And, and since there is a vacuum there, you have this, you know, this this vacuum in which people will shift to radical Islam because they don't have, you know, they don't have, you know, any assets or anything to protect. So, I mean, and that's, and that's not going to be solved from overnight. A, and this is from taking Saddam Hussein out. Right. As opposed to... Um, Bin Laden. Well, I mean, and at the time, you had to go with the information at the time. So I, I know where you're going with that, Todd. But, yeah, the region is destabilized, and what, that's what happens when you – because at the end of the day, you can take ISIS out. But if there's not a play, plan in place, something more radical may take their place, you know, because that's mm-hmm. just how unstable the region is. You see it in Libya. You see it in, you see it in uh, Yemen. You see it in you know, parts of, of Syria and so Sudan. So that, that's what's going to, that's what they're combating. They can't just, you know, take out ISIS. They have to have a plan in place to, you know, stabilize the region. And that's not just the U.S. that has to do that. I mean, they have to have support, backing, and it has to be a collaborative effort. Well, it's interesting Absolutely. you say it has to be a collaborative effort when we have Rand Paul saying ISIS exists and continues to grow because of the GOP. Um, you sent me an article about that, Keith. Do you want to talk more on that? I mean, how can Rand Paul make that assertion? Well, uh, you know, we're certainly getting conflicting uh, information. Um, on the one hand, uh, Rand Paul says it's GOP hawks, and I know what he's talking about. He's, he means the conservatives. We always get blamed for that because we believe in uh, the fourth. Uh, we believe in the fifth article of the Constitution, or a fourth article of the Constitution. Oh, the state gosh. that we should uh, protect our, you know, the government is uh, assigned to protect us, you know, against uh, invasion, foreign and domestic invasion. 
course, uh, we're getting even domestic invasion these days. But the point is uh, we're not fit uh, to defend ourselves on the level that we used to be able to defend ourselves, thanks to Obama's cutting back on uh, much of the military spending. And uh, this I have a report. Here's my source. National Defense Panel issued its report in 2014. This is from the Washington Times. Quadrennial Defense Review, an independent panel appointed by the Pentagon and Congress said, it said that uh, President Obama's strategy for sizing the armed services is too weak for today's global threats. Now, that comes from a uh, nonpartisan uh, source, and I just find it very interesting that Rand Paul says the GOP are the hawks, and they're, you know, we're doing too much. So you're getting all these conflicting, you know, reports. And, again, I've said this many times. I'll say it again. Uh, we are limited in our knowledge or our information, Me, we meaning just you and me and, and Todd and uh, Aguna. We are limited in what we know about what's going on with our foreign affairs and what government is no, doing. Obviously, he's, obviously he can't that, tell yeah. the American people a whole lot because it would maybe violate, uh, you know, our, our safety, you know, the, the, uh, the knowledge of uh, intel. So I don't really want to know a whole lot because I, if I know, then that means the terrorists can know. And so that's the way I, I feel about that. But I do know this much. He has cut back the military response, our ability to respond militarily. So China well, has a big push. What does that actually you know. mean? What does that actually mean? Because, again, you got to – Well, I, I just mean, stated what it meant. He's cut back. back. No, He's no, no, it mean right. is I, I, heard, I heard what you said. It's just yeah. I would be very interested to see what standard that they're measuring that against. Because, yeah, your, your, your response to what? To a global threat, to a terrorist threat. Yeah, okay, right. well, let me no let me be more specific because I knew you would go there, and this is from Alan West, and I know that Todd hates uh, <laughs> Alan, like Alan, Alan West. Alan West. But anyway, okay. Alan West. Yeah, I, I knew it. See, I knew that. I knew that. That's why. I, that's why I go to multiple complex. sources. But uh, his, his opinion. Industrial complex. Hold, hold on. And, you know, I want to answer your question. I have more confidence in Alan West's uh, opinion than yours why? when it comes why? to this. Why is that? Why? Is that? why? Because Alan West was a senator, and Alan West was, in the, works, and Alan West was in the works, and Alan West is a colonel, and Alan West served in our military. That's why. He served in our military. That doesn't mean his opinion is any better than anybody else's. congressman. Alan was That's congress right. Alan West said that President Obama has enacted policies that has acted policy decisions and he is resulting in an army as small as the nineteen forty we have an army that is as small as was 1940 before you the, army. the U.S. Oh, Marine Corps resembling oh, the post-war World War One. One at a time. Post World War One. What? What? So a navy the size of a 1917. This is before our entry of World War One. You can combine so, the top 40 navies in the world, and we have st we still have the large. It, it comes to threat levels. That's why. Sorry, sir. I do not agree you with you. We'll just have around. to disagree on that well, one. And I have. What's Again, your source? You had a I've given you mine. What's your source? You had a chance. You had a chance to speak. You can Wikipedia this. Look at. Okay, where's your source? Oh, right. Wikipedia. We have. We have fifteen. That, no, that party we have fifteen to carrier your battle source? groups. We have fifteen carrier battle groups, right? One oh, carrier Wikipedia. battle group okay. is largest. That no, again, you're not. You're trying to. 
you're trying to talk over me, but the bottom no, line is the one battle is the large is larger than forty of the the, the world's largest navies. One carrier battle group, we have 14 of those. And you're willing to say that the U.S. threat level based on this panel, I'm asking you, what, are, what is the threat? What are we fighting? Is it a police action? Is it a conventional action? Are we, are well, we obviously you heard the tape. In West, Eastern Germany? Well, Obama no, said see, that we are again, not adequately, we don't have a plan. And obviously the so, cyber war, we're not again, prepared when you look for. At, when you look at what we're spending, we look at what we're spending. We have the F-35. Our joint strike fighter costs $135 million, right, for one plane. And you're willing That's to tell much. me that you, you're you saying, and, it, and it's not susceptible against lightning strikes. If, if a lightning strikes it, you know, all the all the functionality goes out the window. But you're, so you're, you're not saying, so in your opinion, military spending, they should no, make not four more of them then. So your That's opinion, your though. facts, you're so saying that we're, we're well prepared to handle any kind of military threat. That's what you're saying. Of course. Obama just said we're not, like, we're not ready. What are you talking about? I asked you specifically what threat you were talking about. You were well, I'm talking about the threat. All these different things that don't matter. I'm talking say, about, first of all, well, let me answer your question, sir. Let me answer your question. The okay, first threat ahead. I'm talking about is what the president said, which he just played, the tape, that we have no plan against cyber attacks. So that's one thing we're not prepared for, obviously. Right. And number so, two, okay, so, the military. So if, you, if you look at the so buying a lot of the military, we're spending more. We're spending more against cyber threats now than we did. No, but see, here's the thing. We're actually. So why would the president say what he did to throw them off? Is it, oh, maybe that's the strategy to throw well, them off no, to make no, them no, think that we're not ready. More. We've actually we've actually invested more spending on cyber cyber threats and cyber attacks. Okay, so why did he say what he said? Why did he say what he said? What is, what, say what he said again, Keith. Cause I want. I need to walk you. Stacey, you want to play that part again? You want to play that part again? What the president said. He said threats against ISIS. What the 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 the, the, uh, the, the clip he played was talking about ISIS. Of, there was nothing about cyber attacks. I'm going to play. They actually allocated more money for cyber attacks. The NSA and and the IC community actually has more money now against cyber attacks. There's no reason why we should have a large navy when we have cyber attacks. You have to you have to spend it on the right threat. That's why I originally right. had this discussion, Keith. I said, what threat are you talking about? You started I just told you the cyber, the, the attack that just happened. The attack most that just happened. The president said we don't have a military, Most of our military is obsolete and redundant. That's a lot of our military but, that we have a lot of military spending mm, on right now. It's redundant and obsolete. Uh, thank you. We're, exactly. in a, we're in a different exactly. world. We're in a different world. Thank yes, you, we all agree. So you don't spend we all more agree. on obsolete weaponry. Okay. You don't, you don't. A lot of the stuff that right. we're we're spending money on is to to sustain obsolete weaponry. So to say President yes. Obama is cutting spending in the military, that's a misnomer because you're right. You want to you want to be faster, smaller, more mobile because you don't want to yes. be the police force of the world. That does That's why the original question I asked you, Keith, I said what type of threat. Now again, I said, I said cyber. Cyber. Right. Cyber. 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 Uh, you want to play that part again, Stacey, or is it too, you know, you wrong? Just cyber. No, you just said cyber. You just said cyber. All right, let me, let me play ISIS. it. Let me play it one at a time. Let's Don't here fall the for it. Today. President Obama used his trip to the G7 summit in Germany to reaffirm the U.S. commitment to fighting ISIS. But as is often the case at gatherings of world leaders, some of the most memorable moments happened on the sidelines. Our chief White House correspondent, Chris Jansing, explains. 
He looked like the ultimate outsider trying to make his way in. Iraqi Prime Minister Haider el-Abadi eager to get President Obama's attention. Sitting, standing, hovering, it looked like a snub. But looks were deceiving. Abadi got what he came for, a promise of more help to defeat surprisingly resilient ISIS fighters. They're nimble, uh, and they're aggressive, and they're opportunistic. The president ordering up a new plan from the Pentagon to accelerate training and equipping Iraqi forces, a shift in U.S. strategy that the president admits is still a work in progress. We don't yet have uh, a, uh, a complete strategy because it requires commitments on the part of the Iraqis as well. While Abadi got what he okay, wanted, on that. another pressing issue, so did yep. President Obama. The leaders declared a united front against Russia for its continuing aggression in Ukraine. And while that is the news no of the day, this is the photo. Yeah, so the president so and an expressive German that, Chancellor man. Angela Merkel. Okay, okay, you can so ask, Okay, he says ISIS. I was referring to the Chinese hack. But anyway, yes, that's not what he's saying. saying. He says Chinese. One at a time. One at a time. Ask Congressman West. Ask Congressman West. Let me let me make the first comment. No, no, wait, 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 wait. You can't hear anybody. is not a police. One at a time. Okay. The U.S. military is not designed to be a police occupying force. Any general, any any military expert will tell you that. If you look at Vietnam, you look at Korea, you look at any any case in which the U.S. in the history of the U.S. where we had to occupy a country for longer than five to ten years, that's not what we're designed for. And okay, we're, so still we're, still we're still in Korea. We're still in Korea. We're still in Germany. Let we're me, still in all these countries. Yeah, we're not thank occupying. You. We're, not, we're not occupying. Yes, we are. Let me, let me respond to, no, let me no, respond we're to Aguna. We're not at war with those countries. Let me respond we're to Aguna. We're not at war with Japan. Uh, Aguna says we're not a police, police force. Now, Obama just said, I stand corrected, it was not cyber attack. He's talking about, even oh. though we were just hacked. He was talking about <laughs> ISIS, yes. Now, if he's talking about ISIS, he said we still have no uh, strategy for, uh, to help, uh, train ISIS. So now, I mean, I'm sorry, train uh, the military forces of Iraq. Now, we just, will you shut up for a minute and let me just finish? Uh, he said, he said. You're getting hostile. No, no, I'm just trying to get a point across, and this man is go, talking go ahead, every go time ahead, I Keith, talk. We're listening. Go ahead, now, Keith. all go ahead. I said was, okay, uh, now, I stand corrected. Okay, he's not yes, talking about did. cyber attack in that, that particular speech. He's talking about no, ISIS. So, the tea party is so if we have no strategy to train ISIS, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, if we have no strategy to train Iraqi uh, what tea people, party here? that's not, because we trained. left Iraq and left our duty. We were already training them. They were already up and ready to go, and then we left, thanks to Obama. So you say we're not supposed to be a military policing, but yet yet we are training them. What is wrong with training our allies? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. They asked us to leave first thing. Second thing, we trained them, but it obviously wasn't efficient. There's nothing wrong with more tra- training. Oh, wasn't it wasn't efficient. We left. Leave. You continuously well, do that. It was efficient. They asked Aguna, us to leave. It was efficient. It was it efficient. It was working. Was they, they, but they didn't care about it. All right. Yes, I'm they over did ask us to leave. You're right. Yeah, you're right, David Bird into this, and then we got to go to our roundtable. David Bird, do you make a comment? No. Good for you. I'll make one. Come to me. <laughs> okay, listen. The Tea Partiers have taken over and filled this boy's head with all kinds of craziness. 
because he's arguing a, a mute point about cyber attacks and the president doesn't have a plan. <laughs> that was never the case. There's a lot of hate which I was saying from the very beginning, and the gooner was silly enough to get caught up into a ridiculous argument with this Tea Partier, which is never a good idea. All they do is over-talk and say nothing. So now he wants to arm... <laughs> he wants to arm ISIS. He kept saying, we've got to help arm ISIS. We got... I mean, uh, was that a Freudian slip or just the truth? You can't trust Freudian. the Tea Party. Yeah, I mean, sure it was. I so anyway, that yeah. that, that, that just, whole argument yeah. was silly. But anything to blame the president? Typical Tea Partier. That's all. Okay, Stephen. It's a bad situation. Steven, a bad situation. And then Aguna, and then we're gonna start a roundtable. And I'm I gotta give Keith an opportunity to rebut Todd's comments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you think I can say it without him interrupting? <laughs> Sure, go ahead. Give it a shot. Well, I'll give it a shot. Stephen first. Um, Stephen first. No, Stephen. Go, go, go ahead. I'll, no, I'll, I'll yield the floor. I'll, I'll yield the floor. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we got to okay, let, let Keith rebut it. Well, it's it, interesting how the liberals on the on this call uh, easily dismiss Stop what I have calling. to say by laughing, uh, very foolish, because the president himself got on there and said it. I didn't say it. In fact, I have said, if to those of you who are really listening. I have said we are limited in what we know. All we know is what they tell us. And the president told us. He just said that he did not have a strategy. They don't have a strategy as far as training our, the Iraqi soldiers. And, of course, you know, my Freudian uh, slip uh, saying uh, ISIS, <laughs> they have to make a joke out of that because that's the only way that they can uh, account for their uh, stupidity. And I will just say that. If we cannot train Iraqi soldiers, we already had them trained years ago after Bush, and the president pulled them out. So when he pulled them out, ISIS moved in. And now we're having the trouble with ISIS, and we have to deal with them and go back. So is it going to take boots on the ground to train the soldiers, or how are we going to train them without boots on the ground? And so that is common sense. That's not, I didn't have a strategy to train them. He said he was going to train them. That's part of the strategy. He didn't have a strategy for ISIS because it's every Let's start a roundtable. Part of the strategy was to train the soldiers. Well, again, I say that uh, if we, uh, obviously the president is talking about training uh, Iraqi soldiers. We don't have a strategy. But now we have to go back and redo what was done before. And that tells that should tell you something right there for people who are uh, thinking uh, logically and reasonably that we need to go back and do what is necessary to do. It's going to take some oh, boots on the ground, and that's something he's trying to avoid. He's just trying to uh, pro- uh, what do you call it? Procrastinate until he is out of office. Thank God. But uh, at any point, we're going to end up going back <laughs> with boots on the ground at some point. I guarantee oh, you. So that is very important to know. And for people to make fun or to dismiss that, that kind of reason and logic shows stupidity. It shows, it really does. It just, uh, it's very childish. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, thank you, David. David from Bird's Eye Consulting, David. Yeah, interesting, my roundtable piece is Jeb Bush just just did a shuffle of his campaign uh, uh, hierarchy and he moved the person that everybody thought was going to be the campaign manager over to become the campaign strategist, and he brought in a new campaign manager. 
this is nothing new in, in, in politics at this early in the ball game. You saw John Kerry fire his campaign manager before the Iowa caucuses and, and, and do a shuffle. Ronald Reagan fired his campaign manager after the New Hampshire primary, I think either prior to or just after the New Hampshire primary. These things happen. It's so early in the ball game. Uh, so it, it means nothing. The real um, test will come once the once the first of the year happens. I disagree. It means a lot. You know, you know why it means something? It's because of this new these new campaign finance rules and how these candidates engage, encounter and engage with their super PACs. So you, you see, you know, you know, Jed Bush was getting you know some criticism because he was never really announcing that he was going to be running for president because he was trying to, you know, hold off so he could keep his team together. So now, I mean, I, I, and I assume, you know, again, this is just my opinion, you know, you see this shifting around is because, you know, once he goes and declares himself, you know, his, his limited, his personnel, I think based on whose position where is going to have to, you know, I, I think he's gonna, you're going to see some of his main campaigner campaign people shift over to running super PAC versus a shuffle amongst his campaign people. So he's just positioning himself to make the big run. So in that case, you know, I do agree with you, David, but again, it goes back to this whole Citizens United and how these campaigns are being financed and run now. I mean, these guys are pushing the rule book, you know, just so they can raise the most money possible. Okay, Stephen. Hillary's going to do the same thing. Sorry, sorry to cut in on your uh, round table, David, but yeah. No, 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 no. Good, good comment, Stephen. I, I have a couple quick things, real quick. To go back to what Keith was saying, I I'm, I am totally against putting boots on the ground. I, we can't trust the Iraqi people. We can't trust their military. They do what we need them to do. We should not hurt any of our guys, waste any of our people to do this. I don't see it right now at this point. I don't. And he said it might come later. I don't even see it later. I don't see any reason to put boots on the ground to try to help train these people, and we're going to have to do this. I, it didn't work before. Let's learn from history. It's not going to work again. It's a bad policy. It's not It's not what mm. we need to do. And no, you just leave is, it to ISIS then. You, just, you, have, you have no choice right now. You have no choice because we're not going to go all in. We're not going to do what we're supposed to do. There's no way that's going to happen until you put our guys as sitting ducks, and that's wrong. We did that well, the only reason they're sitting ducks is because of the uh, rules of engagement. Our guys aren't even allowed to shoot in certain uh, situations or scenarios. Chief, and we're in agreement. There's no reason to put boots on the ground. We're in agreement. We're absolutely one hundred percent agreement. <laughs> well, I think we should, though. I'm not in agreement there, but I understand. No, I understand your point. Why, Keith? There's no reason why you would want to do it then, if you know the consequences of what our guys and women are going to endure. All right, let's wait until we get a conservative Republican in office. Don't care. His children aren't in the war. Let's wait until we get a conservative. A conservative wants to spend that trillion. You don't want to spend trillion. What kind of conservative we'll happen, Let's get a hawk. Let's get a hawk. You know, Rand, Rand Paul said it's because we, of the GOP hawk. So let's get a GOP hawk in there and then really stir those not, suckers up. It's not strategically. You know, I watch my language on the radio. I'm sorry. It's well, not strategically smart right now. It, you can't do that. We're at way too many fronts. We we cannot afford this right now. We've got way too much going on. In other words, we don't have the military power, do we? So, we so Steve, have, we, we don't have the military cannot, power, do we? It doesn't matter if we did. If we did. It doesn't matter if we did. We do. We cannot spread ourselves. Okay, we've got to move on. Ah, so Steve, thank you for making my point. We don't have the we military force. On. I'm sorry. We, we do. do. 
Nobody would, Keith. The second point, really quick, is this top in Dallas, in North Dallas, that did, oh, the, yeah. did the front roll. Did the front roll. I mean, I don't know why we didn't talk about it tonight, but I understand. Yeah, but I it's so talk open about and shut. It's so open and shut because this cop resigned today. I think he should be in prison. I think, I think he should have uh, resigned. I'm glad he did because those guys are for the cops. They don't support. They don't support law enforcement. The guy was surrounded by a bunch of wild teenagers. He was surrounded, and two men came at him, and one guy had his hand in his belt. Come, Keith. Excuse me, Keith. This is my round table. They didn't come at him. Yes, they did. You didn't see the tape. I'll send you the tape, Steve. I'll send you the tape on Facebook. I'll send you the tape. I've seen the tape. You saw a part of it. Keith, that's child abuse. Now, if you and me did that to a child, we'd go to prison. This man needs to go to prison for more years than us because he's held no, our state. No. Hey, that's all right. I don't want to spoil it, but I'll send you the uh, Facebook. I've seen the video. I'll send it to Stacey. A little girl. A man Did you see the whole video? Did you see the whole video? I don't care. I don't care what anybody did. What happened to her was not deserved, and he should go to prison for it because right. you or I would. What you if they had mobbed him and got his gun? Like you what? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. You're making a wrong argument. I can't, I can't, I can't. All right, all right, Stephen, we're out of time. Stephen, are you done? I'm on mute. Real, so, so real quick, real quick, as far as the Iraqi army, our military is the best. The U.S. military is the best in the world. There's the most most equipment, and we train every day. So to say that we trained the Iraqi army 10 years ago and then have to go back, well, that's because we train every day. Our military trains every day. So training is ongoing. It's not something you do when you leave and come back. So obviously they couldn't, you know, they don't have the system in place to train. So, yes, the U.S. has to continue to support that. Only that. Boots on the ground, no, because that's just a quagmire there. Now, as far as that North Dallas incident, and I will say this, I think the cop overstepped his bounds. I think it, it was racially motivated in the sense of had that cop been a black cop, I don't think he would have treated that young girl the way he did. In hindsight, if the way I think, you know, it, bottom line of it is, I do agree with Keith in the sense that that place was out of control. There were a lot of crazy teenagers around, so I don't fault the cops for trying to gain control. I think I do fault the officer for grabbing the hair of that young woman because I she wasn't a threat. I mean, I think, you know, he could have defused the situation a little bit, uh, a little bit more. But again, you know, as a homeowner and as a, a pair of a homeowners association, you know, I can understand, you know, the cops being called and the fact that there, there were a lot of, because what the tape doesn't show you is all the stuff that was going on before or after. I mean, there were, there were kids jumping the fences and stuff like that reportedly. And I think, you know, in that case, yes, the cops should have come. They should have come to burst the crowd. Yes. I don't think he should have taken anybody down. And I, and I definitely don't think that, you know, and this goes back to policing yourself, you know, there's, there's no way that a teenager should engage an officer, you know, even in, even to, to have a discussion. I mean, you can be right or you can be alive. So the flip side of this coin is when an officer tells you to disperse, leave, just be compliant, you know, because they're not going to win to debate an officer, especially in that situation where they felt overwhelmed, outnumbered, that's just going to result in a bad situation. And a lot of times with this younger generation, they just, they feel that they deserve an explanation why. Hey, at the end of the day, that homeowners association has rules at that clubhouse. If people were sneaking in there and jumping fences and finding out about this party on Twitter, 
yes, it should have been shut down. They should, the crowd should have been dispersed. Now, should that officer have grabbed that young woman in a, in a bathing suit the way he did? Absolutely not. You know, he should wouldn't he have done to that to his daughter. Okay. He should, I, I do think should he, he go to jail. He def- I don't know about jail. All right. We're, we're, we're I do think he should lose his job, though. Sum it up. But at the end of the day, I think he was trying. He was trying. <laughs> again, I think he overstepped his bounds. But at the end of the day, I think he was trying to to get um, um, calm to the situation. He was trying to take control of the situation. He just did it. He the made wrong it way. worse. He made it yeah, worse. Yeah, he did. Okay, is that it, Aguna? We're out of time. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Thank you, cousin Todd. Okay, it, 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 I, we can skip my roundtable if we're out of time. If you have to do something, no, take a minute. Go ahead, one minute. Okay, um, I'll chime in on the um, um, the officer. Well, or the hoodlum with a badge, beating up little girls <clears throat> that Keith seems to have no problem with because she wasn't a white little blonde girl. She was a Negro girl just the kind he hates. And so, therefore, of course he should have done that. He should have slammed the child on the hard concrete. He should have beat her head in. And he shouldn't have resigned, according to Keith, resigned. But but that tells you the way these Tea Partiers think. On the contrary, I'm glad he resigned because he had no support from his uh, superiors. I would resign, too. Of course, of course. I know you support all races. Yeah, well... If he's a racist, he could have uh, shot somebody, but he didn't. Sure. And it's funny that he wants uh, the military to be as big, and he never joined the military. Has no children to join the military. Family's not in the military, but... Article 4 of the Constitution, Section 4. Article 4, Section 4. Read it, my friend. I am a citizen of the United States. You do it. I sit around and talk about it. Why don't you join the military, why don't you have children hurt. and get them into the military? Stop it wouldn't hurt to educate yourself a little more about the Constitution. Into the military to be killed for a ridiculous notion that you live under. Read your Constitution, sir. It's for your benefit. It's for your Bye, benefit. Felicia. And have those young people known it would be for their benefit, too. Had they complied with cops, they would be protected. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Aguna's right in that area. I agree Girl, with him. Bye. Go, Stacy. Go. Okay, I can't. I cannot. Happy birthday to our Facebook friends, uh, Joe Mahoney last uh, Thursday, Sabrina Walker last Saturday, Marshall Mitchell last Sunday, Cassandra Crillo Brown's birthday is today. Happy birthday! And guess whose birthday is Thursday? Guess. Ew. Keith, let's see. Happy birthday, is it Keith? Why, thank you, madam. Oh I appreciate my that. Gosh. Keith, happy birthday. How old happy are you birthday. now? Seventy-nine. No, fifty-nine, I sir. I'll be fifty-nine. Mhm. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with the Gemini. Nothing happy wrong birthday, with the Gemini. Happy birthday, Keith. Happy right, thank you, Stacy. And Stacy, you got to also mention the fact that uh, I'm 59 years old and I've never been uh, shot by cops. I've never been uh, killed by cops or strangled by cops or go. put in jail <laughs> by cops. I, in fact, I've never even been to jail at all. How is that possible? How is that possible that I've never been shot by cops and I'm 59 years old? How did I make it this far? God, how did I do it? Another day. Tomorrow. God, how is that possible? 
I'll tell you how it's possible. The same way you're a draft dodger. <laughs> you guys can think of anything. Uh, a black man, a Negro, never been busted by cops at 59 years old. Grew up in a black ghetto with the Crips and everybody doctor. else. Todd, that's, that's okay. just amazing. Wow. Um, and the same day as Keith's birthday is Michael P. Smith's birthday, and Saturday is Sonia Jeter Ellis's birthday with Aguna's birthday coming up next week. Yeah. Next week. So hey, I have to I definitely I, I have to give my my um, brother-in-law a shout out, Greg Brown. I think you mentioned his name there, Stacy. But yes, happy birthday, brother-in-law. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, brother-in-law. To our first Same birthday as Keith. Oh my gosh! This is this is this is. Gary got to change his birthday. <laughs> to our first responders in our community, you make our lives livable. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our women and men of the U.S. military for all that you do and sacrificing your lives so that we are free to say just what we choose to on this show. On behalf of Aguna, the Nigerian Mount Republican Keith, the Constitutional Conservative Stephen, David from Bird's Eye Government Consulting, and my cousin Todd. I'm Stacey Johnson. Let's keep this conversation going on Twitter and Facebook at Spoilitics. We'll see you on the air next week. I was talking so fast. Good night.